right, well, good morning, contact family. Y'all notice anything different? <laughs> yeah, with that, a little thing's different today. So we're continuing our series on Good Friday. And last week we talked about Jesus washing his disciples' feet. You know, we're preparing our hearts and our minds for Easter Sunday that's coming up the first Sunday in April. And we're looking at all these things that Jesus went through on the day he was crucified. In this 24-hour period, he goes from washing his disciples' feet, has this, this meal with them, which is what we're going to talk about today. He goes and he prays in the garden. He goes through all these trials. He's crucified, and he is buried and put in the tomb all within 24 hours, all of these things. So we want to talk about those things as we get ready for what Easter means. So, talking about the Last Supper today. And so we're going to wait until later to take our communion together. And you'll notice we don't have our normal cups. We've got real Welch's grape juice today. We have actual bread, not styrofoam. If you don't, if you can't eat regular bread, go hit up Stan. Stan's got some gluten-free bread if you need that. But we are going to do that, and, and we'll talk more about that when we get to it. And, and we'll talk more about this in a minute, too. So let's start with our reading and let's see where we're at. We're going to be in Luke chapter 22 today. So if you want to turn there in your Bibles or your Bible apps, we'll start working from there. And we will read about what Jesus did here. It says, Now the festival of unleavened bread arrived when the Passover lamb is sacrificed. Okay, pause for two things here. First thing, kids, you're in here today too. We don't have children's worship because I think this is something that's going to be good for you all to experience. But here's the deal. Every time, and we've said it once now, that the word Passover is said, you need to start counting. Because every time I say the word Passover, I need you to count it. So at the end of service, you can come find me, tell me how many times I said it, and you can get some candy for how many times you counted the word Passover. We'll see. Billy, you want to be our official counter? We need some official counters, too, that are making sure, because I am about to stop counting how many times I say Passover, because it's going to be too much work, because we're going to say Passover a lot today. It's going to be a very, very common word today, Passover, 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 Passover. Okay, I get you at a 10 to start with. All right, so I guess we'll get to the other thing in a second. Jesus sent Peter and John ahead and said, go and prepare the Passover meal so we can eat it together. Now, in Jerusalem, there are Jerusalem, and during the Passover festival, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, there are a lot of extra people. Jerusalem probably has a population somewhere between 100 to 150,000 people. During Passover, an extra 100,000 people are there. So it's pretty busy, right? You double your population. Streets are crowded. There's stuff going on everywhere. And so he's sending them in. He says, go get this ready for me. I said, where do you want us to prepare it? We didn't book anything ahead of time. Everywhere's packed. He replied, as soon as you enter Jerusalem, a man carrying a pitcher of water will meet you. Follow him. At the house he enters, say to the owner, the teacher asks, where is the guest room where I can eat the Passover meal with my disciples? Well, there's some secret code, special agent Jesus things going on. Either he's prepared this ahead of time or this guy's familiar with, with Jesus, and so he's got this all worked out where this meal 
is going to be held. He'll take you upstairs to a large room that is already set up. That is where you should prepare our meal. So, you know, maybe this family has it prepared specifically for them. Maybe they've already got it prepared for themselves for later. What we're going to see is that Jesus and his disciples are going to take this Passover meal way earlier than everyone else does. The rest of the people will take it on the following afternoon. Jesus and his disciples are taking it as soon as the clock hits because Jesus does not have time. Jesus does not have time like other people do because Jesus knows what's coming. So he's getting to this as fast as he possibly can on this day, okay? They went off to the city and found everything just as Jesus had said, and they prepared the Passover meal there. When the time came, Jesus and the apostles sat down together at the table. All right, so you may remember this meal is what was happening too last week when we were in John chapter 13. John's account describes the foot washing, and we're not going to see the foot washing in Luke or Matthew or in Mark. That doesn't appear in any of them. Although, what our memory verse came from today and what's going to be at the end of this is a section that's going to make you remember the foot washing because of what Jesus says. He says some things that really bring that to mind. These other ones, they all describe the meal that's being eaten. John does not describe the meal. He just skips over this part. John was written later than the other three Gospels. The other ones are already circulating among the believers. Each gospel is written for a specific purpose and a specific audience in mind. John must have decided for whatever reason the Lord's Supper was covered. And so he put in something else that had happened that night that he thought was really important to convey. He says at the end of his gospel, there's so much that Jesus did. We could fill the whole world with books about Jesus. So there's lots of stuff Jesus did we don't know about. But the things that are written, Jesus, John says, but these are written that you might believe Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. By believing, you may have life in his name. So, for these Gospels, they say this is what's really important. John didn't include it. That's just a little bit of notes. All the same event, all the same meal. This all happened at the same time. Okay? That's housekeeping stuff. So Jesus said, I have been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. So, you two are going to go do their task they know is coming. The big question today is what is Passover? How many times have we already heard it just in, in Luke? Aside from the, you know, dozen times I've said it, Luke's already said it a bunch of times too. So there's something significant about Passover with this meal that's going on. And that's always been the foundation for the Lord's Supper that we celebrate every week. But how much do we know about Passover? Maybe we know a little bit. Maybe we don't know a lot. Today we're going to take some time to explore what Passover means. It says, For I tell you, now that I won't eat this meal again until its meaning is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Raise your hand if you know what Passover is about, at least a little bit. Okay, so Passover is really old by this time. At the time when Jesus celebrates it with his disciples, he's probably been celebrating it. People have probably been celebrating it in Israel for around 1,500 years. All right? So this is, this is not a new practice. So what did Jesus just say? He said, its meaning is fulfilled. Imagine, and of course I'm not Jesus, so I don't have the kind of authority he has, but imagine I came to you and said, 
I know you've been celebrating Christmas for a long time, but Christmas is about me now. Would that be weird? That would be super weird. This is, a, this is an old festival reminding them of an old time of something that happened already, and we're going to talk about what happened in it. But Jesus says, I'm going to fulfill the meaning of this, and he makes it about him. It's a little presumptive of you, Jesus, but we'll see what's going on. So we're going to have this meal, and Valerie and David are going to be up here with me to help us explore this together. As part of the Passover, there are four cups that are poured. So we've got our Welch's sparkling non-alcoholic grape juice. And I'm going to pour you some, a little bit, but not too much, because we're going to have to do this a bunch of times. And I'm going to pour me some. And in Jewish tradition, I'm going to pour Elijah some over here. And we're going to let him not worry about that. And I'm going to pour Valerie some, and hopefully it doesn't spill. So we're going to start off, and that's already, man, that's going fast. I'm going to have to be cautious with pouring that. Let me grab my remote, too, because I'm going to come over here now. This first cup is the cup of sanctification. Each of these cups is connected to this passage in Exodus, chapter 6. And it's broken up into four parts, and each cup represents a part of this verse that reminds the people of their coming out of Egypt. So that's the first thing to know about Passover. Passover is about when the people of Israel came out of Egypt. So, therefore, it says in Exodus 6, verse 6a, Say to the people of Israel, I am the Lord I will free you from your oppression. So this meal is about freedom from oppression. So we're going to raise our cups, and I'm going to read to you in Hebrew, and then you're all going to join us to read this blessing together. Which means, read it together, Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who creates the fruit of the vine. And We drink the first cup. And here's Jesus. Then he took a cup of wine, gave thanks, probably a very similar blessing, to God for it. Then he ate it, and then he said, sorry, take this and share it among yourselves, for I will not drink wine again until the kingdom of God has come. Now remember, the disciples have done this every year of their lives. Everyone in Israel has done this every year of their lives. And this is always about this event that happened in the past, about when the Israelites came out of Egypt, and we'll talk more about that story in a second. And Jesus is saying that the kingdom of God has something to do with what's going on at this meal. How presumptuous of Jesus. But Jesus, Jesus knows what he's doing, right? So what's the first thing? The cup of sanctification, talking about bringing out of oppression. Listen to those words. Listen to what they are already remembering about this meal from before and bring that as we think about what Jesus is doing with it. Okay? Okay. Next, we will do the dipping of the carpas. All right. So, you can't see this very well. Inside of this bowl is salt water. I'm stirring it up to make sure the salt's good and mixed. And what we're going to do is we're going to take some parsley. So, you guys grab some parsley, too. And we are going to dip the parsley into the salt water and take a good bite of it. Yeah. Oh, man, you guys all wish you were up here having this too, don't you? Oh, it's only going to get better from here. I took a big old chunk, huh? Mm -hmm. 
Mm, that's salty. Oh. Mm. So the dipping of the karpas has a multiple representation. Sometimes they believe that the salt water represents the tears of the slaves. One of the other older traditions, potentially, is, do you remember the story of Joseph? So Joseph is the 11th son. It's terrible. <laughs> it's it's going to get worse, guys. Get ready. Uh, <laughs> Joseph is the 11th son of Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel. And Joseph was a dreamer, and his dad loved him more than the rest of his sons. And so he gave him this coat of many colors, and his brothers were jealous. They did not like it. So his brothers were going to kill him. Then they say, hey, you know what? Instead of killing him, let's sell him into slavery. And so they take his coat, and they dip it in the blood of a wild animal. And his father takes that in with mourning and sadness because he thinks his son is dead. But also... Joseph going to Egypt starts the process that will lead to all of Israel being in Egypt and becoming slaves to Pharaoh. So this is the beginning of the story. All right? So the next thing that happens is all the kids. Kids, if you can read, read this out loud. Say, well, say it to me. Why is tonight different? Why is tonight different? And this is what will be said. And there's other questions that go with this. Why is tonight different? Because this is usually done in the evening. Not in the morning like we're doing it today. Although, you know, the overcast skies helps us to feel a little more like evening, right? Why is tonight different? What's going on that makes this meal special? Because do we usually dip parsley in salt water? No, we do not. And we would not like to do it again today. Thank you. From Deuteronomy chapter 26. This is a direct reading, okay? Our ancestor Jacob was a wandering Aramean who went to live as a foreigner in Egypt. His family arrived few in number, but in Egypt they became a large and mighty nation. When the Egyptians oppressed and humiliated us by making us their slaves, we cried out to the Lord, the God of our ancestors. He heard our cries and saw our hardships, toil, and oppression. So the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a strong hand and powerful arm, with overwhelming terror and with miraculous signs and wonders. He brought us to this place and gave us this land flowing with milk and honey. You see, what's been important for the last 3,500 years as Jewish people have taken this meal is every generation is supposed to imagine that they themselves are the ones in Egypt that God has drawn out of slavery. To make the story part of their lives to think of themselves as part of those people that God saved miraculously. And so when we tell the story, we don't tell the story like this is just history. This is also our present. Do we find ourselves ever in slavery in the present? Maybe not this kind of slavery, but are there things that have us in shackles? Yeah. And so we keep remembering this as it's our story too. And so we get to the second cup. The cup of deliverance. Put a little more in. We've all got some left, I think, because it was a big swig. Slosh out of there. Let me read to you the next part of Exodus 6, verse 6. He will rescue you from your slavery in Egypt. God is going to deliver us. 
Read with me. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who creates the fruit of the vine. Now, we're going to read this psalm. There's going to be parts that say together at the top, and you guys are going to read with me when it says together. What would happen here is families would sing Psalm 113 through Psalm 118. This is like a two-plus-hour meal, usually. This is not a short thing, all right? And so I'm just going to, we're going to do Psalm 113. It's fairly short. Listen to the words, and think about these words as attached to being freed from slavery and freed from oppression. Praise the Lord. Yes, give praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Read with me. Blessed be the name of the Lord now and forever. Everywhere from east to west, praise the name of the Lord. With me. For the Lord is high above the nations. His glory is higher than the heavens. Who can be compared with the Lord our God? Who is enthroned on high? He stoops to look down on heaven and on earth. He lifts the poor from the dust and the needy from the garbage dump. He sets them among princes even the princes of his own people. He gives the childless woman a family, making her a happy mother. Read with me. Praise the Lord. Did you hear the story of Abraham and Sarah in that last verse? The childless woman who couldn't have a family? And yet the whole nation comes from her. So now we get to the unleavened bread. And before we have the unleavened bread, uh, Rabbi Gamaliel says, you know Rabbi Gamaliel? Anybody? A few of you guys shaking your head yes. Some of you guys know who I'm talking about. His name rings a bell because you know his most famous student, Saul of Tarsus, whose name would later be Paul the Apostle, who wrote like half of the New Testament, right? Okay. And, and this is still today. Jewish people refer back to Rabbi Gamaliel for this meal. So we can pretty, pretty securely know that some of these things he's saying were what Jesus would have done too, because Jesus and Rabbi Gamaliel are at the same time, right? Same time. So he says, these three symbols are required parts of the Passover. The matzah, or the unleavened bread. The maror, or the bitter herbs. We're going to get to that. Y'all are gonna, we're, I don't know what our faces are going to look like when we get to that one. And the pesach, or the Passover lamb. Now, we don't have any lamb here this morning, because that would be really complicated to do for this morning. Uh, and also, well, again, we'll get to that. How many times have I said that? Probably should have had them count how many times I'm going to say we'll get to that. Passover. All right. So let's get to the bread. And let me explain the bread from Exodus chapter 12. It says, for bread, they baked flat cakes from the dough without yeast they brought from Egypt. It was made without yeast because the people were driven out of Egypt in such a hurry that they had no time to prepare the bread or other food. They're doing it quick because they got to get out fast because they're about to be delivered. So we take the bread, and I'm going to break this. Let me read for you again. It says, Read with me. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe who brings bread from the earth. So we take some bread. 
I'll read it. Save some because you'll need it later. Jesus says he took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. And he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Wait, this is the bread about getting out quick. This is the, the in a hurry bread. This is the bread we've been eating this way for the same way for 1,500 years because of the, the Passover and what happened. And now, Jesus, you're telling us this is about you? This bread is your body? I bet they were. But they didn't say anything back, I guess. Because Jesus has been doing stuff like this to them for three years. So <laughs> they're getting used to it. All right. Next, we take the bitter herb. The bitter herb reminds us of slavery in Egypt and the bitterness of slavery. So this is, I didn't get raw, this is a straight horseradish dip. <laughs> so go ahead, I'm going to get some on mine. Don't try to impress anybody. And you're going to put it in the romaine. I'll let you guys get it ready too, so we can all do it at the same time, because I don't, misery loves company. Yeah, some of you guys who know what horseradish tastes like are looking at me like, you guys are crazy. They do this every year. Every year. It's part of the Passover. Just, this, just the smell is already getting me, and it's not even in my mouth. I mean, unless they're gluttons for punishment. All right, so here we go. Let's take the bitter herb and remember the slavery in Egypt. Oh! Oh, oh, again. Oh, whoo. Kai was telling me he was having some allergy issues. Should have had him doing this. Oh, man. <laughs> so, again, that's for us to remember the misery of slavery. I say that with a smile because this, this is something that we can do that's kind of funny, the reality of it is heart-wrenching. And God heard their cries. Yeah. Next is the Passover lamb. The messenger of death was sent to kill the firstborn sons of Egypt. Just as Pharaoh had killed the Hebrew boys in the Nile. But any household, Israelite or Egyptian, who took a one-year-old spotless lamb and painted its blood over the doorposts would be spared. And so the lamb would be eaten in memory of how its blood saved anyone who listened to what God told them to do. So the third cup, cup of redemption. Probably need this. We'll all enjoy this cup after the bitter herb. Yeah, it's going to be a great cup. I'll redeem you with great and powerful arm and great acts of judgment. Read with me. 
Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who creates the fruit of the vine. Yeah. <laughs> After supper, Jesus took another cup of wine and said, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people. New covenant? Jesus, we've been doing this for 1,500 years. New covenant. An agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. Man, what a rich symbol when you think of that Passover lamb that we've always been remembering and its blood. If you haven't yet, get a cup and some bread. We're about to take the Lord's Supper together. We'll be taking the fourth cup here in a second. Everyone gets to see you guys take the Lord's Supper. It's a family meal, so it's good to do. And while I know we usually say this is only for those who are baptized, I would like everyone to take bread and cup this morning. I want kids taking this, everyone. In the Jewish family, everyone in the family took it. Kids to adults. If you're here, you're at the very least trying to figure out if Jesus is the right thing for you. And I know that sometimes we talk about eating judgment on ourselves. If you haven't believed in Jesus, the judgment's already there, no matter what you're doing. So I think you're going to be okay, and hopefully this will draw you in. The reason to get baptized is not so you can have the Lord's Supper. It is, but it's not because you get a snack in service. It's more than that, right? That's right. So, as y'all are finishing now, let me read this part. It says, but here at this table, Jesus says, sitting among us as a friend is the man who will betray me. For it has been determined that the Son of Man must die, but what sorrow awaits the one who betrays him. The disciples began to ask each other, which of them would ever do such a thing? Then they began to argue among themselves about who would be the greatest among them. Yeah, that's how it goes, right? We start off, which one of us is the worst? Which one of us is the best? Jesus told them, In this world, the kings and great men lord it over their people. Yet they are called friends of the people. But they're not really, are they? They're not really. They say they are. But among you, it will be different. Those who are the greatest among you, this is our memory verse, should take the lowest rank, and the leader should be like a servant. Who is more important, the one who sits at the table or the one who serves? You have stayed with me in my time of trial. And just as my Father has granted me a kingdom, I now grant you the right to eat and drink at my table in my kingdom, and you will sit on thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Remember, this meal is about the twelve tribes of Israel getting taken out of slavery. Jesus has just made those sitting at the table with him in charge of those people. He's saying, this meal we're having today is the beginning of the change of everything. The old way is good to still remember. Remembering the Passover is good because it is good to remember God's great acts of deliverance. What Jesus did on the cross 
is even better to remember because it frees everyone. It frees everyone. And so we come to the fourth cup, the cup of praise. And the last verse says, I will claim you as my own people, and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord, your God, who has freed you from your oppression in Egypt. Do you remember when we were slaves in Egypt? And now God has made us his own. So, take your bread. Hold it up. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who brings bread from the earth. Your cup. And be careful. We put a lot in there. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who creates the fruit of the vine. May you take the memory of this meal today. May you take the memory of Jesus and how these symbols are transformed to represent him. May you look to God for your deliverance. May you look to Christ to free you from your oppression. May you praise the name of our God who has delivered us from sin and death, from Babylon, from Egypt. May we remember. Let's stand and sing.